Almost 30 Nation. Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. Hello, friends. It's Linz and Krista. Thanks for being here as always. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Hope the hope the day is going well, whether you're cooking or walking or maybe you're at work, maybe you're driving, whatever it is that you're doing. We're just sending you a lot of love today. Yeah, truly. So many people are like, <gasps> I'm walking. I know, I know. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel I'm that getting way. waxed. That's me. <laughs> oh my god! We haven't caught up about your pet psychic. Oh yeah, the so, latest. So get, if you guys are new, you know, just FYI, we're in LA. We're doing pet psychics. We're doing yeah. the thing. It was funny. I so I shared a little bit about the pet psychic that I just saw, and, and Danielle Canty from Boss Babe messaged me, and she's like, "You're so LA, babe." And then she voice noted me and was like, "Hey, I hope that wasn't me." And I'm like. Oh no, it's very true. <laughs> it's just true. It's it's, it's absurd. The, thi- the the stuff that I come on stories and say is like so absurd. So I hope you guys know that this is, I'm very aware of how absurd it is to have a pet psychic. So I've had one before. I had maybe six months ago when we first adopted our two kittens. So we adopted them from Stray Cat Alliance here in LA who I'm obsessed with. And we just wanted to check in. I forget what we wanted to talk about at that time, but we just wanted to have the experience of the pet psychic. And it was hilarious and incredible. And we tried out a different psychic this time. Her name is Teresa Wagner. And she was recommended to me by Lacey Phillips of To Be Magnetic, who's been seeing her for years. And Mm -hmm. Lacey would talk about her for years for her three dogs. And so we got her. So we so we had an appointment with her. And since I moved into the new office studio, I moved into the office studio space and we were away for the wedding. We're going away for the wedding. I wanted to just make sure that they knew what was going on. Because oftentimes when your animals, when you are going through stress, your animals can tell if you're going through big life transitions, mm-hmm. your animals can tell as well and they can be very stressed out. So I noticed with my sister, she moved around quite a bit in Ohio and I noticed her cat sort of having behavioral issues in alignment to how much she was moving. So I've always wanted to be mindful about the cats whenever we're moving. Yeah. So we get on the session and this woman is literally pure love. She is... Oh my gosh, the kindest love. Oh my God, she. I just wanted to hug her. She was just the biggest Nana. She was like such a Nana. She was just so loving and just sweet. And so we get on and, and she does it differently. So she kind of gets the information and then goes and talks to them and then comes back. So she said- Sorry, that, do they have to be on the- Like, do they have to be on the screen? Does she no. see them? Okay, cool. So Got she it. doesn't see them. The other one Got had it. to look at photos. Got it. This one, she doesn't see them. We described how they looked mm-hmm. to her, but she just connects with their energy. So she gets on and she's like, okay, so the first thing that happened was Fuji, who's the black one with the broken tail. We have like a crazy one. Black, he's, uh, she's black, but she's got very boy energy. She's a tortie shell and she has a little broken tail. And she's, the first thing that Fuji said was like, our parents love us very, very much. (laughs) And she's like, "Um, I want you to know that our parents love us very, very much. And that I'm very different than my sister. I have unique skills and abilities and she's going to tell you that she's the boss, but she's not the boss. <laughs> and I just want you to know that we're equal before we start, that we have equal, unique <laughs> skills and abilities. And, you know, we're just very different, but she's not the boss. And, and Oogie, who's the silver one, was like, yeah, of course our parents love us. And she's like, but, you know, and she's just like, well, I'm not the boss, but sometimes I am. So they were already fighting in that way, <laughs> which was hilarious. And then we um, told them, we were like, hey, we're going away for the move. And with the move, they're like, they just wanted to know, was there windows? Could they look at the birds? Could they look outside? And it was cute because they were like, oh, we're very thankful you told us because we would have been very scared Aww. to be in the new space. And um, we had to tell them about the wedding and um, us going away for the wedding. And so they were like, well, why are you guys going away? Like, what are you doing? And they agreed. They're like, we don't want to be on a plane. They're like, we definitely don't want to be on a plane. We don't like a lot of people. A plane is not for us. And so we're like, we have to go to this wedding. She explained what the wedding was. And they're like, oh, that sounds amazing. Well, we want people at the wedding to know who we are, but we don't want to come. So (laughs) we think if you could have a picture or something that would let people know who we are at the wedding, we think that would be a great idea. We're like, okay, we'll include a picture of you guys at the wedding. (laughs) And then they were like, we also would love you know, when you guys say your vows, if you could come home and then you could say your vows to just us so that they could be included. Wow. She's like, honestly, in 30 years of reading animals, I've never had them. Unreal. I've never had them ask to hear the vows. (laughs) 
And so we're like, of course, we'll tell you the vows, which was so darling. And then Oogie, who's like the silver one, she's mm-hmm. like the really beautiful one. She's like, can I see the dress? Oh my Do you gosh. Die. And then at the end, so we were asking them like, what were the unique abilities? We're like, Fuji, what are your unique abilities? And Fuji's like, I have inner confidence. I don't need people to know, but I'm really, really confident. And she's like, and I'm not afraid to look silly. I always look silly. Like (laughs) I said all this crazy stuff. It was so hilarious and accurate. And the last question we asked was how they feel about our devices. We were like, how do you feel about our, our phones and our devices? Do you feel like we're on them too much? And they said, they're like, no, we just want you to know that you guys can communicate telepathically mm-hmm. and that it's pretty archaic that you guys are using phones. So we just know it's like a human thing, but it's pretty archaic. Damn. I know. I so mean, true. Cats are little aliens. They're ge- little geniuses. <laughs> That's what Lacey was saying when I told her the, the story. She's like, dude, it's crazy how much smarter cats are than dogs. <laughs> She's like, listening to, my do- listening to the three dogs. <laughs> compared to listening to your cats is literally mind-blowing because they're, do- they're so amazing. But the one dog is Marigold. It's like the littlest dog. And she's every time she's just like, I just want everyone to know I'm the baby. She's like, I'm the baby dog. There's going to be a baby in the house, but I'm the baby dog. And if you guys have another dog, it has to know that I'm still the baby dog. I'm the baby girl dog. So it's just so funny what they all say. But um, you guys, if you have animals, highly recommend. It's also fun to do as a gift. Like if you have a partner and you guys have an animal to get a a pet psychic. Her name was Teresa Wagner and she was just such a darling. Wow. Is there any like, any things that they desire, like in terms of things, like how did they like their food? Did you ask like things about just their daily? We did that last time where we were like, do you like your food and your process? It was funny. They didn't have any complaints. They were saying, it's funny because in the afternoon, Oogie always goes on Justin's lap and will hang out with him at the computer. And she did say, she's like, Oogie loves in the afternoon to hang out with Justin at the computer. She thinks it's a really mutual beneficial, mutually beneficial experience. She loves getting petted and Justin also loves hanging out with her. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So it was so cute. We did, what you can do too is we have Carlin, who's one of our friends, watches them. And we were like, oh, do you love guys love Carlin? And they're like, we love her. We feel like she thinks it's a very special experience that she gets to spend time with us. And they're like, we love that she talks to us all the time. And whenever she's Aww. on her device, but we come over, she'll pay attention to us. Oh, They called it the device. Dude. <laughs> it was so freaking funny, dude. I was bawling. Like I was laughing and crying when they said the vows. Oh, I was like, oh my God, you little freaking. Cause, but it's hilarious because we'll come home and say the vows and they'll be like fucking in circles. They'll, they'll literally be like on like Isn't a bookshelf. Isn't it funny to think that they're just like doing cat things, but they're yes. also thinking all of these thoughts That's and like- exactly what I was feeling. I was like, it's so fascinating to me that they are like licking their buttholes, but like also thinking about, you know, all of this stuff. Yes. It's so wild. communication. But afterwards that night, they were so loving and they were mm. so adorning after that conversation. I was like, oh, they had to have known. Oh, for, I would think so. I yeah. know. I know. Wow. So Teresa, she does any animal. Any animal. She can do um, dead or alive too. So oh, she can cool. communicate with deceased animals as well. Oh, wow. So if anyone's looking for, you know, connection or communication with their animal, it's a really good one. It's not just an LA thing, babies. It's just not an it. LA thing. You can do it. It's all <laughs> virtual, baby. And she is so freaking sweet. That is so sweet. I think we should have an animal psychic on it. Because imagine the stories of all the crazy stuff that I'm animals down. say. I'm down. Yeah, the dog. I'd love to talk to Rupert. Oh, is that your old pup? That's my old, old pup. Mm-hmm. Really? I actually I don't know love why we named my old Rupert. Cat. Rupert's a whack name. Yeah, it's whack. It was um, <laughs> it was based on that cartoon. Oh, yeah, the, so, the mouse. Rupert is the one. Is the mouse, right? He's a bear. Okay. <laughs> okay. Who was the mouse with like the hat on? Stuart. Oh, Stuart. Stuart, Stuart Little. Little. Yeah. Yeah. Rup- Rupert is the one. Don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember that. Um, oh. oh, man. Also, we were thinking about this recently as uh, something that we wanted to talk to you guys about. So, switching gears a little bit, the bestseller masterclass. Mm-hmm. So, I think we told you all that a year or so ago when things were open, maybe two years now, yeah. we went to New York and we did the bestseller masterclass with Gabby Bernstein live in person. So Gabby's been on the pod uh, maybe three times now. Yeah. And she's a dear friend of ours and she hosted the bestseller masterclass as a way to support people in writing bestsellers. She's one of the most accomplished writers. They're 
ever has been. She has so many New York Times bestsellers. She has it down pat. She's just a master. So she's sharing everything in the bestseller masterclass. So Lindsay and I attended in person a few years ago just as a way to get our feet wet about the topic of writing a book. We'll be writing a book in the next couple of years, you know, not exactly right now, but we wanted to learn from her and we wanted to learn from the best. And we, although we're not fully in our process, have learned so much from the bestseller masterclass and wanted to talk a little bit about it because I know so many of you have it in your heart and have it in your mind and have it in your soul to write a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going into the masterclass, I was kind of overwhelmed by the thought of the process. I'm like, what does this, what does this yes. process mean? How many steps? How long does it take? Can I do th-? like I, I was having a lot of like self-doubt where I'm like, yes. can I do this? At what point in the process do you bring in support and help? And so it was just so thorough and so clear, especially the book proposal process, yes. which is one of the most important parts of the process in order to get your book, if you do want to take it to market and do want to work with a publisher, and if even if you want to self-publish, it's just a really incredibly helpful way to organize your thoughts, organize the chapters, like just lay out everything that's kind of looping in your brain about this beautiful book that you want to bring to the world. So yeah, I just really appreciated the tactical step-by-step nature of this masterclass coupled with um, mindset coaching, coupled with like the emphasis on the fact that like you bring the uniqueness to the book. Mm -hmm. Because I think we can get really wrapped up in, well, what is market one and what hasn't been done before and what have you. And so it's really important and Gabby emphasizes this where it's like you are the special sauce and like allow your own unique voice and tone to shine through the proposal and the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm very like so much Capricorn in my chart and then like my Virgo rising. I need to see things from a structural level. I, I like visually see things in my mind from a structural strategic level. So I always need to think about, okay, what's my first step? What's my next step? What's my third step? I don't I like to see my plan and then know what my steps are. Mm -hmm. And so having this was like, when I think about a book, I'm like, where do I even start? You know, you're like, I want to write a book. And then you're like, okay, I'm paralyzed. I have no idea how to do that, how to even get clear on my message, how to write a proposal, if I want to publish, if I with a publisher, if I want to self-publish. And this answered everything. Yeah. And so it was so helpful for us because when we do sort of make this our number one focus to write the book, I'm like, okay, I know our, I know our next step. I know if we're going to do it self-published, I know if we're going to do a publisher. And so many of you, I know that's part of the conversation where if you want to self-publish, and it was really beautiful to learn and you guys would learn this in the bestseller masterclass, the ins and outs of publishing to make the best decision for you. Because nowadays with social media and the way of the world, you don't need to get permission from anyone. You don't need to get permission from a publisher to write the thing or to put the book into the world. And I felt like that was so liberating too, to Mm -hmm. be like, whether we want to go, whether we want to write a book now or not, we know that no matter what it would get out into the world without a publisher publisher or with one. Yeah, definitely. It kind of took the the scariness and the stigma around like actually writing a book away and just made it really, really accessible. I took a ton of freaking notes, mm-hmm. but she's offering the bestseller masterclass to anyone. You don't have mm-hmm. to go in person. This is going to be available virtually, which I'm just like so excited that this is going to be available to people who are just like dying to write a book and feel, yeah, just blocked in the process because they don't know the right next step. Yeah. And in this, you guys, I was I was blown away at every what she included. I know. I could not get <laughs> over it. I was like she's giving Everything. Everything. She does numbers. She gives like numbers about how much her book costs, how much she makes, how much the publisher takes. Every single thing she gives example book proposals. There's tons of templates. There's tons of um, contacts. There's just everything you would need is truly in here. And especially, you know, if we were thinking about going the publishing route to have that book proposal, which really helps people create their actual book because that's that's essentially your outline example in there was just incredible. Mm -hmm. So if you guys feel like you have a book in your heart or you have a book that you want to bring to the world this year, next year, in the future, I highly recommend doing Gabby's Bestseller Masterclass. She's truly 
one of the best in the biz and she gives every single thing in this program. And Lindsay and I found so much value from it. Mm -hmm. And she's no bullshit, guys. No bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I love about her teaching style. So you can actually enroll in the Bestseller Masterclass now. Um, You can learn more in our show notes. um, And also make sure you follow us at Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram. We're talking about the Bestseller Masterclass because we believe so much in it and want people to know about it. So um, check out the info there. Mm -hmm. Excited for you guys to dig in. And today's episode. So now going into today's episode, which is such a beautiful treat. So Jamie Kern Lima is someone that is such a big name in the space. I've heard so many good things about her from people that know her personally. Her being the most humble, kind uh, person ever. We've been so inspired by her story. We've heard Mm -hmm. from our community that she's someone that you all wanted on the show. And she's someone that Lindsay and I deeply connect with. I love her philanthropy. I love the way that she's self-made. I love that she's a champion for women. She's someone that I really just feel proud to bring to you if you do not know her already. Yeah. Uh, We talk a lot about her faith. That came up in the conversation quite early on. And I just thought that was a beautiful piece of her journey and what continues to yeah, really support her as as successful and big as she has become. There is just this like grounded nature to what she does and how she serves people um, rooted in her faith. Uh, so I love that part of the conversation. We also talked a lot about um, just body image, mm-hmm. body acceptance, you know, being in the spotlight and and just kind of having that intense awareness because cameras are always on you and things like that. And um, how her brand, It Cosmetics, has uh, really made it a pillar of what they do to feature um, all different bodies and skin tones. And yeah, it's just really, really powerful. And not to mention, she's a freaking incredibly successful woman in Mm -hmm. business, which just to us is so inspiring to see um, and to speak to her about. Yeah, It Cosmetics was one of the first brands that featured real women Mm -hmm. and didn't feature feature models. And when she was looking to launch her brand, that was one of the things that she really led with that she kept getting rejections from. So this is someone that is truly self-made. She was a Denny's waitress and now she is a billionaire, one of the richest women in the world after selling It Cosmetics. And now she's an author, philanthropist, investor, and she's just really doing the most beautiful things. And believe it, her book, How to Go from Underestimated to Unstoppable, you can order now on her website and all proceeds go to charity. Yeah, so incredible. Um, You can go to believeit.com or jamiekernlima.com to learn more. Thanks so much, Jamie, for being on the show. And thank you all for being a part of the Almost 30 Nation community. We love you so, so much. Yeah, we love you so much. So almost30.com, make sure to stay up to date. Membership is gonna be opening soon for enrollment. We're so excited. There are other powerful, powerful episodes on Almost 30 that we've had in the past couple of months that we're super proud of. So make sure you're subscribed. Almost 30 podcast on Instagram and then Almost 30 on YouTube. All right, y'all. We'll see you on the other side of this episode. Enjoy. Enjoy. We're so glad to have you. And um, we've been looking forward to this for a while. I feel like, you know, your reputation is just so powerful and beautiful and humble. And your book is amazing. And Lindsay and I related to a lot of it in um, the most humble of ways. (laughs) But one of the things that I really loved and that I was just so felt so refreshing to me was how much you talk about God and your faith. You know, Lindsay and I are people that grew up Catholic. And so we kind of veered from the path for a while, just having this feeling and um, sort of an unprocessed understanding of what God was. And now coming back in the past couple of years to a new understanding of our faith and our relationship with God. So I'd love to talk a little bit about your faith. Um, I love the way that you intertwine it and I love your journey with it. So I'd love to hear a little more. Yeah, of course. It was risky. (laughs) It was risky. And, you know, you guys will understand it's just being in the creative space and the whole industry and everything that, you know, when I got my book deal and all these things, not everyone wanted me to keep any talk about faith in the book. And I just think like the, one of the biggest lessons I've learned in life over and over is that you can't fake authenticity. You know what I mean? And I just feel like this book, I mean, believe it is really the real stories behind the stories. Cause so many people just 
you know, Google and know the highlight reel or whatever. And I think when we do that, we feel alone in our own setbacks or struggles. So, you know, I wrote the book to really share like the stories on how you go from not believing yourself to believing in yourself and all that. And the one of the biggest parts of my journey, I think in the book, I call it like the espresso and the latte for me is, is my faith. And it was, it was a really interesting debate because when you have people saying to you, well, the book will be more successful if you leave that part out. Um, the book will appeal to more people if you leave that part out. It's, it's really an interesting thing because I think all of us in life have people tell us to leave parts of ourselves out. Um, mm, <laughs> and, yes. and, and we're right. We're not the right fit or we're not enough as we are. So yeah, I am, um, you know, I talk a lot in the book. Um, it sounds like maybe we've had similar, similar experiences with a faith journey, but you know, I, I talk about just going through a big season of God doubt in my life for many years, right? So the book obviously is how to overcome self-doubt, but I also talk about body doubt and God doubt. And, you know, this was, uh, for me, probably the most profound, impactful journey of, of, of my life because I was raised going to church every Sunday and I did not like it. I, <laughs> I sat in the church pews, like counting down the minutes till it ended and just scanning all the pews for cute boys. Like that was it yes. the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, you know, growing up, I, um, I was actually scared to share with my family, the book for this part of it was this reason was just sharing that for a number of years, um, when someone would talk about their faith or God or whatever, I kind of just doubted it, you know, meaning even, even for myself, right? Like I would be praying for a friend's health or something like that, but then I would almost feel like an imposter where I was like, well, I'm praying, but I don't even know if I really think God is real. And I think for anyone who's experienced that, especially if you're raised around a family that has strong faith, you kind of feel this conflict inside and so, you know, one of the life-changing moments for me and in, in that I share in the book that hopefully maybe someone needs to hear this uh, today, maybe it'll, it'll um, be of service to them in their own life. But I went through this really tough season in my life where I had found out I was adopted. I didn't know where I came from. This is my late 20s. Found out by surprise I was adopted. Was just, uh, you know, trying to plan a wedding, but not sure I wanted to get married because I had this fear men hold women back. And there's just all these things going on all at once. And I was really struggling in my faith as well. And I started seeing a therapist for the first time in my life and I was having panic attacks and everything else. And, you know, I was raised around families that didn't go to therapy and didn't like, they just either internalized stuff or didn't talk about it or figured it out. (laughs) Like nobody Mm -hmm. went to, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this for myself. Right. Sometimes we have to um, to step into all of who we are. We have to learn to start hearing our own gut and trusting ourselves. And I made the decision. I just had this feeling I need to start uh, seeing a therapist, and I did. And um, it was one of the best things I've ever done. She helped resolve my panic attacks and everything else. But one day I was talking with her about about faith, and I said to her, "You know, I'm just honestly like feeling lost. I don't know where I come from. I don't know who my parents are, and I'm also doubting God exists." And to this day, I don't even know if she has any particular faith. I have no idea. But what she said to me that day was life-changing. She said, well, let me ask you something. Like, let's just say God created the whole universe. Like, What makes you think he can't handle your doubt? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she goes, why don't you try something? She's like, why don't you try telling God you doubt him and then ask him to prove you wrong? And I'm like, okay. And, uh, <laughs> and this didn't happen overnight, but for a number of years, like anytime I would, you know, say a prayer or, or whatever, like no joke, just to break it down and keep it really real, no matter how embarrassing this is, I would like be praying for something. And then at the end, and it could be someone's health or someone, whatever it might be. And, uh, at the end of the prayer, I'd be like, and God, I'm really doubting you. And I'd say this in my head silently, but I'd be like, I'm really doubting you exist. And so if you could like show up somehow and prove me wrong, like be on a shadow of a doubt, like I'd really appreciate it. In Jesus' name, amen. Like that was my prayer for years. And what happened uh, was uh, more stories than I can even count <laughs> of, of, of how he did. And I talk about some of the wildest, craziest stories on really going from doubting God exists to knowing knowing He exists and to believing God is love and God is all around us. And yeah, some crazy stories with my journey of 
building it cosmetics. Like some of the key people that helped us build a billion dollar business had said no for years and literally called me out of the blue saying, like, I still don't feel this, but like God is telling me to call you. Wow. And it was like that blatant. You know wow. what I mean? And so it was like sometimes, yeah. So, anyways, want to share that because anyone in your community listening who's like, oh yeah, I can't tell my family this, but like I'm really struggling with my faith or whatever, just try in your own way of just saying, God, I doubt you exist. Whoever God is, whoever your creator is for you. You know, this applies to all faiths and and even really faith in the universe, you know? And just when you say like, I doubt you exist, but please prove me wrong, like show up mm-hmm. and then sit back and watch what happens and, and be open to it. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's it's been life-changing and also healing in a lot of ways. Mm. I'm just in awe that, say a publisher would be like, hey, take that out because it would be more appealing when it's such a huge part of your story. Yeah. Like what was the final like, you know, stake in the ground for you where you're like, no, this is, this is my story. You know, I met with tons of publishers, right? And that when you're, when you're going through the book deal process, so you get all their feedback from lots of different publishers. And that's really where it started was just questions from all of them saying, okay, what's your plan for the book? Like, do you see this going mainstream? Do you see it being in the business section? I'm like, no, no, no. This is a book for every girl, every woman who wants to go from not believing in herself to believing in herself. Like, this is a book on how to overcome self doubt and body doubt and God doubt. And you know, they'll be like, okay, well, do you see it in the Christian, in the you know, faith section? I'm like, I see it for every person I go over and um, <laughs> and they're like, well, would you consider? And this was a collective thing. So a number of people asking this question, would you consider taking maybe faith out of it to make it more marketable? Or would you consider taking a lot of the business lessons out of it so that it's more mainstream marketable, right? And so, you know, I understand at the end of the day, I think, um, I mean, you guys, for what, like how, it was years that hundreds and hundreds of retailers, beauty experts all said no to It Cosmetics because what they're saying essentially is, we don't think we can make money on you. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, it's a no, right? And 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 had I changed my vision, my authentic vision to try and fit in or to try and get a yes from one of them, I don't think I would have ever built a billion dollar company. And so I had learned this lesson so many times. You guys know it's why your show is so huge, why so many people love it because... Like when you, and this, by the way, oh my gosh, for anyone in your audience who struggles with like comparison syndrome mm-hmm. or goes online and, and serves people's accounts and starts no, to feel like they're audience. not in <laughs> Yeah, not, none of our audience. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it, I love this lesson that I wish I had learned earlier in life, which is that, you know, when you look at all the research, it shows that it's impossible to ever have another authentic connection with another human being without fully showing up authentically. Like if you show up as who you, who you think they want you to be, and by the way, this could this other human being could be your community online, your customers, uh, right? When we show up as our representative or change or, or hide parts of who we are because we want to appear more qualified or appear cooler or appear whatever it is, literally all it does is create a barrier of disconnection. It, it's the recipe for failure, right? And when we realize that lesson in life, it's the most freeing thing ever because what it means is, oh yeah, so-and-so might have this awesome highlight reel or this show might be doing great or this author or this person or this friend. But like, if I actually change who I am to try and be more like what their highlight reel looks like or what this competitor's success looks like, I'm literally deciding to fail. Because the second you don't fully show up authentically as you and you try to show up like someone else or show up as only a part of you, you create that barrier of disconnection and you cannot fake authenticity. So when people show up that way and it's part of who they are, but not authentically all of who they are, we feel it, right? And a lot of people right now are wondering why when I post on social, I'm not getting a lot of engagement or why this or that. It's because try showing up fully as you and seeing what happens, right? People are so smart and you can't fake authenticity. And so... Anyways, um, that's one of the, the the biggest lessons I've learned and how I've done everything. And, and you know, there were so many no's, mm-hmm. which all of us have experienced people literally looking us in the eye and saying, change who you are, or you're not enough, or you need to do this to fit in or that to fit in. And those are the moments that define our lives because we're tempted to like, 
you know, mm-hmm. second guess our own gut and not trust it and not show up authentically. But I just yeah. think that um, that's the biggest life lesson that we all learn how to do is is when we show up fully authentically. It's, it's also the most freeing thing ever, not just as an entrepreneur, but as a human being, because we it, it helps us to stop comparing because we realize, oh, how they're showing up, even though whatever literally has nothing to do mm-hmm. with, with, with me. And, 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 you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is going through this season of experiencing mean girls for the first time and never dealt with bullying growing up. Then all of a sudden I'm in my twenties and thirties and uh, in the QVC green room dealt with adult bullying and mm-hmm. mean girls and this whole thing. And I came out of it with one of the greatest lessons in my life, um, which is that none of us are here to compete with anyone else. Like we're literally here to compete with the person we know God made us capable mm-hmm. of becoming. And when we realize that, it's so freeing also because we realize, oh yeah, A, the more I champion other people and help them win, all that does is, you know, you get what you give. It doesn't ever take away from my own success. And B, I'm just here to compete with who God made me capable of becoming. And like, that has nothing to do with anyone else. And, and, you know, I don't know about how the two of you feel, but for me, I'm nowhere near that person yet. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm still, I have so much more to give and serve and create and ideate and, and all of that. And I think when that becomes our focus, then that's how we step into our authentic power as mm-hmm. well. And the part about, you know, showing up authentically, if you're not showing up authentically, you don't really feel connected is something I've been really focusing on in the past year. You know, I realized that we all wear masks and I was kind of playing with when I wear masks and when I don't and how at times I can feel lonely because then people are connecting essentially with the mask or the person that I'm playing or this persona rather than like the authentic me. And, you know, online on social media, loneliness is bigger than ever. It's like, you know, something that people are focused on in foreign countries very, very intricately. And I think a lot of that is because we put on masks on social media, it's a essentially a mask in itself. So although we're connecting more than ever, we're online more than ever, we're not actually connecting because people are connecting with the masks, you know, which is something that I deeply feel. I want to talk about something that our audience, in addition to what you were speaking about, really is into is the body doubt and sort of the body conversation. Um, I was really thankful that you included that in the book because I feel like it's so applicable to everyone. Can you talk a little bit more about your journey? Yeah. You know, (laughs) body doubt (laughs) for anyone struggling with it, and I think this is really, really common, uh, is really tough because it's something that, you know, there there are people, as you guys know, people who are some of the most incredible thought leaders, accomplished, I'm going to say women right now, women in the world, who that's the one thing they still struggle with, Mm -hmm. right? One of my friends, you guys might know her, I'm Glennon Doyle, who wrote Untamed. Like she is literally crushing stuff everywhere and still so vulnerably admits that she hasn't figured out the body doubt thing. You know what I mean? And so I think that it's, it's part of our, 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 our greatest journeys. And I think that, um, for me, it's something that I'm right in the middle of. So like I wrote, believe it, talking about all of the lessons, all the tips, all the things I did right. And lessons I wish I knew sooner on how to overcome self-doubt, how to, deal with rejection, how to take an idea, turn it into a billion dollar company, all those things. And at the end of the book, I talk about some of the things I still struggle with and where I'm at and trying to literally shift my mindset around them. Right. So, so, you know, I have a hereditary skin condition called rosacea, which is bright red. And for when I first started getting it in my late twenties, when I would walk into a grocery store, people would be like, Oh, are you okay? Or are you sunburned? Or, you know, are you feeling well? All those things. And I was feeling great. (laughs) And it just, and I went through this season of self doubt. And, you know, I was working in television news and anchoring the news and my, my makeup would start to break up. The redness would come through and I would hear from my producer in my earpiece. Well, I'd be live, live on television. Uh, There's something on your face. There's something on your face. You need to wipe it off. And I knew there wasn't anything I could wipe off. I knew the makeup was breaking up and and I thought it was this season of of setback um, in my life. And, but it's interesting that, setback is why I started trying every makeup out there. <laughs> Couldn't find anything that worked. Had this aha moment. What if I, you know, and, and I thought I was in my dream job and I 
didn't know what I was doing with even the thought of launching a company, right? Uh, but I think Joel Osteen coined this phrase that so often our, our setbacks are really God's set ups for what we're, we're called to do next. And, you know, I had this big moment where even though I thought I was in a dream job, my dream job, um, that, you know, my gut kept telling me, like, it's time, you need to go after this new thing. And I, you know, I, I, I learned and believe that sometimes in life, like knowing when to let go of a dream is as important as knowing when to go after one and learning to hear our gut is the biggest thing, right? Some people, that's how they hear God is through their intuition. Um, so uh, over the years, I've figured out, you guys, how I literally, like something that everyone else saw as a flaw, right? My rosacea, I literally feel full freedom. Like I will wear no makeup, go anywhere. And I feel so, I feel nothing I feel like I have nothing to hide. And what I mean by that is like, you know, and, and why I created it cosmetics was A, to try and shift culture and beauty and use real people and all of those things as models, but also to create a brand that made you feel beautiful on the days you wore makeup and as beautiful on the days that you didn't. And my point is I figured out how to crack the code in my own head and my own mindset to truly believe my rosacea is beautiful. Like when I walk around with it, right? I I literally I think, and when I see other women that have it or that notice mine, I think, oh, right now, this isn't about me. This is about me normalizing something that most people feel ashamed about and, and, and trying to normalize it so they don't feel like anything is wrong with them. And, 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 and so for me, it's like, I feel it's this awesome thing, right? And so in my journey about body doubt, in my journey that started as a little girl, stuff I've never shared before. I, my family was like, what? I share so much of it and believe it because I wanted to keep it real, like really real. But I talk about growing up and hiding like in the school bathroom, drinking diet shakes and you know, taking stuff that my friend's sister gave goddess, like when ephedrine was a big thing and mm-hmm. literally being on slim fast shakes and I was like nine mm-hmm. and like all these things, right? And, and this idea... Of, of body my whole life and where I'm in, where I'm at now is is literally figuring out how to switch my mindset about it to something that is gratitude for it um, versus something that I feel like is not enough. Do you know what I mean? And and it's literally the one thing I'm in the middle of right now that I and I talk about this in the end of the book is like I figured out how to change my mindset, overcome doubt, raise my vibration in terms of I can have anyone reject me and I feel nothing because I embrace rejection. And I think after getting told no and you're not enough and all those things, hundreds of times in my business, I figured out how to be fearless about it. Um, I can handle just about anything, right? I figured out how to overcome it, raise my vibration. And like I share all the tools on how to do that in the book. Like I don't deal with comparison syndrome anymore, nothing. And so I've gotten there with that. The body thing is the one thing I'm right in the middle of right now of, of literally practicing all of my tools that I figured out in every other area to try and shift my own mindset, believe my body is beautiful and it's enough. Believe that like God gave me cellulite and it's as cute on my thighs as it is when you have dimples on your cheeks. And to be grateful that I literally have two legs that can move. Like how many, you know what I mean? And, and just really shift perspective. And the last thing I'll say on this that I think is really important is I have learned in everything in life, when something's holding us back, when we're doubting ourselves and we're feeling it, not enough about it, it's because we're making it about ourselves, which in a way is a small way to make things. And when I think about how did I keep going and build this billion dollar company after all the notes, it's because I believed that I was shifting culture and beauty and shifting the definition and changing the way models are used for every little girl out there who's about to see commercials and start doubting herself and every adult who still does. And that was bigger than me, right? Like, like I, I walk into a grocery store and think my rosacea is beautiful because it's literally not about me. It's about who am I empowering in that grocery store that day. And so how I'm starting to shift my perspective around body, in case someone else needs to hear this out there today too, is when we feel ashamed of our body, we're literally teaching other girls and other women that they should too. And I have to flip the switch in my own head and be like, oh, it's not about me. 
right? When I don't want to put on shorts or put, put on a bikini or whatever, it's like, oh, if I don't do that, what am I teaching my daughter? What am I telling other girls and women? And maybe if I just freaking shake my cellulite and strip my stuff, maybe that's telling someone else she's beautiful and worthy exactly like she is too. So that's the space I'm in right now is really in process. By the way, I've, I've, <laughs> I've done all the book launch press for Believe It. I've never talked about this. This question's never come up. Welcome I've never to talked the pod. about it. So, <laughs> <I'm almost there. laughs> this is why Almost 30 is like the most amazing show ever. But I'm in it right now. I'm in yeah. it going, okay, what tools are working and what aren't? Because not it's not just women, but so often women, we literally create a prison in our own minds of not enoughness around our body. And, and you guys, so I'm going to get so fired up. When I think about, and, and maybe some of your community can relate to this. When I think about the number of hours I have spent in my life going, what fits? Or should I not go to this party or this high school reunion or this whatever, because I literally don't like how I look right now, mm-hmm. or, or I can't fit into something or or do I not want even want to make out with my husband because I literally don't even like all those things when I really accumulate all the hours or scrolling diets online, all the hours that could have gone to something that actually matters, like creating, like serving, like <laughs> ideating something, like you know, school, business, donating time to the world. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like it's the amount of time we lose that comes at the expense of everything else, I can't even handle it. It's got to change. Mm-hmm. So yes, I, I've never spoken about this in an interview, mm-hmm. but I'm completely on a mission because it's the one thing mm-hmm. for me that I haven't fully flipped and solved in my own life. Like I figured out how to build a billion dollar company. I figured out how to believe my rosacea is beautiful. Figured out how to believe God exists. <laughs> mm-hmm. out, like all those things. This is the one thing that I'm like, oh, I'm still in a prison. Uh, I'm determined to break free of it. Mm. Powerful, Jamie. Um, Can relate. Yeah, very I, much. I, yeah, I just, am, I'm thinking about, you know, and we've had this conversation on the pod, why it's different for men and women. And, you know, I think women focus so much on the physical body and the appearance because yes, out there, that is kind of like, what the gatekeeper looks at for a lot of these, you know, um, opportunities and exposures mm-hmm. and all the things. So, yeah. and even in just relationships. And so, yeah, I just, I just really admire that willingness to flip the perspective to this could actually show someone that this is possible and this is yeah. normal. When, and we're taught it's what we all at the at the core of all of us we need love mm-hmm. and belonging right mm-hmm. and some of us are achievers because we're you know I talk about this in my book anyone that struggles with perfectionism or achieve being an achiever like growing up whenever I achieved something that's when my parents would show up right it's like I mm. I start equating achieving with love or or being relevant that's a whole another topic but um but we're also taught you know, we have to look a certain way to be loved by the world. And, you know, I, um, one thing just to share that I think why it's, it is so different for, for men and women, it still exists and we, and we really have to change. And I think it's so great to celebrate beauty in all forms for sure. Uh, but you know, I, I went through this really, it's crazy to even Say, say this, but you know, when after L'Oreal bought our company and after I sold it cosmetics, you know, it was a $1.2 billion deal. It was all over the press, everything. And, and I got a phone call from Forbes and they told my head of PR, like Jamie's going to be on the uh, America's richest self-made women's list in Forbes. I instantly panicked. I said, no, I'm not interested. Like, like I was wow. raised, you don't talk about money or you're bragging, you know, all those things. I was like, nope, 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 nope. And I didn't. And then, and then they said to my head of PR at cosmetics, they're like, well, it's not an option. Like we do an accurate list and we have enough data to know who's on our list and what everyone's net worth is or our best. You guys, I was mortified. And so I want to share this because it has to do with the difference between men and women that I had this big aha moment in my life. But, uh, (laughs) I literally hid the Forbes list for almost three years. So it would come out every year. 
And when I would go do like a big keynote speech somewhere or something, and they would have written a bio, like an intro for me. Um, and it would say, Jamie's on America's richest self-made women's list on Forbes and whatever. I would have my head of PR change it and either get rid of it or change the word richest and most successful. And I did this for three years. And then I had this big moment where I'm like, wait a minute, like growing up when I would see Oprah and I, and she would talk not just about her hard times, but she would share her victories and her wins and her, all the things like it helped me believe that it was possible for me or that where I come from doesn't determine where I'm going. And I had this big moment where I was like, wait a minute, you guys, I listen, I love Instagram all day long, but I had this moment where I realized when I scroll Instagram and I see how women are portrayed versus men, and let's just break it down. Like I I won't get specific. I kind of get specific in the book about this, but I won't get too specific. But if you just imagine some of the power couples in their twenties right now, twenties and thirties right now, power celeb couples, right? And you think about usually, and in most cases, the woman is more successful than the guy. But when you see them together, you'll often see like the woman in a sexy bikini pose and the dude like with his arms crossed standing in front of a plane, usually above her, physically higher in the image. You almost never see a woman in a business suit and that gets a million likes. <laughs> you almost right? And I started realizing all these images and I had this huge epiphany where I'm like, "Wait a minute. Why why as a woman?" And and the other thing that happened, the reporter at Forbes said to me, "Oh, I'm not surprised you don't want to be on the list." I'm like, "What do you mean?" And she goes, "Well, on the women's list, a lot of the women don't want to be on it." And she goes, "But on our regular Forbes list where it's everyone, most of the men actually complain their numbers not higher." They go out of their way fighting. Sometimes it's legal to try and get a higher net worth. And most of the women don't want to be on it. And I'm like, that's so interesting. Mm. And what I learned is that women and girls, and this is everyone right now in their teens, in their 20s, in their 30s, and even younger, we still learn to bond over problems, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. to put ourselves down to fit in and to belong. And, and, you know, like we say like, oh, I can't fit in my pants Mm -hmm. or, oh, I, uh, you know, if someone gives us a compliment, Mm -hmm. we're like, oh, I'm a hot mess today or, (laughs) right. We do, we, we, we put ourselves down because then we're not a threat to anyone else. We, we, we bond. But when you think about the girl or woman who comes in the conversation, it's like, oh my gosh, I eat whatever I want. And I can't even like, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, I can't, Mm -hmm. or like, I, you know, this happened, you know, all these things go right in her life and people right now, and I'm talking about women, uh, inherently feel like, oh, she's bragging or, oh, I, uh, she has no EQ mm-hmm. or, oh, right. All these mm. things. And this is some, meanwhile, if a dude's like, oh, I benched 250 or whatever he said, I was like, oh man, it's, it, it's so <laughs> different. And as women, we need to flip the script on this. And I had this moment that was, it's so embarrassing to admit, but after three years of hiding that I was on the Forbes list, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Me not like me dimming my own light and hiding it and calling it humble, all that's doing is potentially, again, bigger than myself, right? robbing another girl or woman of seeing an example that's possible for her. Like I went from Denny's waitress to billion dollar entrepreneur. If I don't share that, I am literally robbing that example of someone who right now feels like they're made for more, but is taught to doubt themselves because of where they come from, where they are, what they don't have, you know what I mean? And yes. so I was like, oh my gosh, this, this, we've got to flip the script. And, and it's something that I think is just so important for girls and women right now is to learn that when we dim our light, we dim her light. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like, we have to be brave and not everyone's going to get it. We're going to have a lot of well-intentioned, love, loving women in our families that are going to think we're bragging or think something's wrong with us if we like let our light shine. Mm-hmm. But we have to do it so that we give that example to other girls and other women to let their light shine too. It's it's just so interesting to think about, you know, that there's more than one woman that doesn't want to be on the Forbes list for they're scared of shining too bright or you know, even the fear of other women comparing themselves to you or and there is also that thing about women where it's like we want to be seen as humble. We want to be seen as mm-hmm. like equalized and I spent most of my life coming from the Midwest where I would um self-deprecate all the time. That was like my whole MO was self-deprecation 
And now I'm really mindful of the ways I self-deprecate because honestly, it feels like I'm lying nowadays. If I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm trash, I'm a hot mess. It's like, it actually, the, it doesn't feel good to say because I know it's not true in my heart. So coming to a place where I was building enough confidence to know that like even self-deprecation is actually not true. So what are some of the ways in which you were able to sort of come to a healing place with female relationships because you had the situation with QVC. Um, now you have really beautiful, strong relationships, but you've had interesting female and even mother relationships. So how have you healed that wound? I um, you know, I talk a lot in the book about how we can curate our own circle. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, and, and I'm so blessed. I have, I do have such great family members and I have great friends and I have great siblings. But a lot of times, um, just because they're great <laughs> doesn't mean we should like share our hopes and dreams with them all the time and let them lower our vibration because they're seeing us through the lens of their own fear or their own experiences or their own capacity. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yes. and I talk a lot in the book about this huge kind of epiphany where a lot of times, right, we grow up around family and we often love that family. And a lot of times we have friends from high school that we've known forever. So we feel this kind of, not just trust, but also obligation to keep them in our lives. Um, And what ends up happening for a lot of people who, if they're listening to your show right now, they probably have seeds inside of them where they know they have greatness in them. They know that there's something in them they want to offer the world that they were made God made them special and they have something to create or a book they need to start writing that first page of, or, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. they know that's inside of them. So, so sharing this, maybe, maybe someone needs to hear this today, but I learned like, Oh, wait, I see so many people in my life who they net, they literally talk themselves out of their own truth, never become the person they're born to be because they stay around the same people who are awesome, well-intended and it's the only people they're around, the, the friends they were raised around, the family who loves them. But every time they start to like want to, you know, step out and take that risk, leave that job, go after that thing they don't know what they're doing, but they it's on their heart to do, they literally get talked out of it, sometimes indirectly, because they're around people that don't have the same goals and the same ambitions and they don't live their life on that same vibration. Right. And so one thing I talk about in my book is having is actually learning how to curate my own circle around me, my own group of friends that, you know, all of us, literally probably the only thing me and my six closest friends have in common is a through line of literally championing each other, <laughs> like having beautiful souls um, and, and really wanting the best for, the, for, for each other not like BSing when, you know, we don't tell each other what we want to hear, but it's like really championing each other at a high vibration. And what I learned is, oh, the circle of friends, when you're in your twenties and thirties and forties, you now are in this season of life where you're not around the same people like we were in high school or college or, or with our families. Right. And we're in this new transition where every person has the power to do this and it's free to literally curate your own circle around you that has the kind of vibration that you want to live your life with and you want to count on when you need to share your hopes and dreams with. And the thing I learned is that circle may not look like where you come from. It may not look like the people you were friends with in high school. might not look like the families you were raised around. And so, you know, for me, I I go deep into this... um, into how I did that in my book, but I talk about like the circle of friends. And, you know, one of my six closest friends was raised homeless in a homeless shelter. She to this day is the only person in her family that, that ever figured out how to go to school in any of her families. Um, and she recently launched her jewelry line on QVC. So she's now an entrepreneur, but, you know, QVC is live to 100 million homes. So this girl who was homeless now just went live to 100 million homes. Because her vibration of love and of of learning to believe in herself and of doing things bigger than herself, it's so high that when you're around her, you just like, you you raise your own. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so she's someone in my life. She was raised in Philly. She's like, we have such different backgrounds. Um, I, I talk about, 
how, you know, my girlfriend, um, who was six months pregnant, I eventually, she was the first person that we were able to hire at, at cosmetics. And, you know, she was raised, um, in the most difficult, abusive upbringing in Montana, going from trailer park to trailer park, like, like, and she's just this warrior. And, you know, she went all in on it cosmetics from my living room. And, you know, she did hundred hour weeks with me building this company when I could barely afford to pay her. And I talk about everything I've learned from her. And she's one of my closest friends. We met because we dated the same sketchy guy in college. <laughs> and like, we both ended up ditching him. And now she's one of my best friends now, you know, of That's so many funny. years. And, I know. <laughs> um, my point is, I think so many times we get stuck going, oh, but I should be loyal to these friends because they've been my friends forever. And you don't need to get rid of your friends and you don't need to get rid of your family. But I think it's important in addition to them, that maybe they're not the ones you talk about your hopes and dreams with. Because when you do, you find your vibration lowering, right? So maybe you talk to them about all the other stuff, like what's on The Bachelor and who's like all the stuff, what's for dinner? Where are we going on a vacation? But when it comes to protecting like your own calling, I think that's when it's so important to curate the people around you who you share your calling, your hopes, your dreams, your wildest thoughts with, and make sure that they're the people that don't just tell you, oh yeah, that's great. They don't tell you what you want to hear. They, they're for you though. Like they dream big with you. They champion you without any agenda. And when you can curate those kind of people and not all of them, you're going to know in person, by the way, sometimes like, like literally listening to the almost 30 podcast can be one person in your circle right? That helps you, that helps speak faith and belief into your life. It doesn't have to be, your circle doesn't have to be people in your immediate physical life, but curating that space where you're able to vibrate at the highest level. I hope my book, Believe It, is part of someone's circle. Like, like it's what I'm donating hundred percent of the proceeds of the book. I'm literally just writing it because I believe wow. like when we, when we give that to someone and we help, like, like, we all rise together when we all share the real stuff behind the stuff. And anyways, I think it's, so important to learn how to how to curate your own circle in your life. And it's something we could do for free, but a lot of people never realize they should. So they stay with people that lower their vibration because they love them and they feel loyal to them. And then before you know it, 10 years goes by, 20 years goes by, and you never did the thing. You never took the risk. You never wrote the book. You never started the community, right? So yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I think both Christian and I have experienced that and are still kind of parsing through what that looks like. For me, it's felt like this primal, like like this survival thing when your family no longer feels like the nucleus where you go for all the strength and the support and the safety. Mm -hmm. And while they're amazing and still there, it's just because I'm evolving. I'm kind of evolving past what I connect with them on. And so it's just... I can imagine why a lot of people find it so hard, not only because of the loyalty piece, but it is kind of just that primal primal thing where we're we feel almost less safe or, you know, taken away from this nucleus. And um, mm. but I just think that's yeah. so, so powerful. I'm curious how, you know, finding out that you were adopted in your 20s um is, I mean, I, I can't really imagine what that was like and and how that's affected you you know throughout um throughout your life up until now because i i can imagine that it was just such a powerful earthquake of sorts can you give us a little bit of insight into that time yeah and I, i found out by complete surprise so no one had intended for me to find out and it felt almost like the rug had been pulled out from underneath me like i'm really close to my mom who raised me and i am you know, so many of us have had, you know, a partner or a family member or, you know, or a long standing family secret or someone we thought we knew, like literally pull out the rug from underneath us. And it, you know, you're in the spot where you start to question like everything and what else don't you know? And who can you trust? And I went on a five year journey of trying to find my birth mom and, and literally calling thousands and thousands and thousands of women wow. um, for five years. And I, and I talk about, going through this. And, it, and it's, you know, when I get a call and I think it's a telemarketer, I'm like, oh no, thank you. And I hang up. So for five years, every person I called would literally hang up on me. Cause I, but I didn't know if that person who answered was going to be my mom. And I just, it was like this obsession for five years. And I would see television shows and movies where like, 
adoptees are reunited and the the mom and the kid go running across the wheat field and the music plays and they embrace. And I had all of these fantasies about what was going to happen. And when I eventually found her, which I share the crazy story of all that in the book, um, the day that I found her and reached out to her, all her social media channels went dark. Everything. She disappeared because she did not want to meet me. And after five years of, of, you know, romanticizing what that could be in my head, it was the most painful thing. And I talk about how slowly we did meet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I talk about that journey of forgiveness and, and how healing that can be. And, uh, and I think we all have journeys in our life where we need to learn to forgive because even if a person does or doesn't deserve it, it just hurts us when we don't. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I talk a lot about that. Um, and you know, the one thing I want to share though, too, is you just mentioned something and this is really applicable to my adoption story too, but you know, when we are thinking about our families and like you said, leaving the nucleus and going on our own. And one thing I want to share, just in case it's helpful for anyone listening to, is sometimes when we feel like it's not that we're better than our family. It's not that we're more evolved or, I mean, maybe we are, but it's not all those things. It's what I've learned is you, a lot of people go through this season, they get stuck in where they just feel like their family doesn't support them. Mm-hmm. And they're right. And they're like, I don't understand why you guys don't support my dreams. And then they get really hurt by it and they feel resentful. And and I had a big breakthrough over this that I just want to share. I, I used to, the dad that raised me, um, I, I started working at a young age, lots of jobs, working really hard. I was, at one point, I was 18 running a health club and I was making more money at that point than my dad made in a union job in a glass factory. And when I had this thought, like, you know what? I think I want to go to college. I want to see other, I want to meet people from different faiths and different places and I want to see the world. And he literally told me, no, you'd be crazy to go to college. What are you, look what money you're making, right? And I remember mm-hmm. that he meant well for me, but he, he, he always saw things through the lens of his own fear and his own experiences. But also, I would always resent that he like never showed up for any of my stuff or didn't know all my friends' names. There's all these things where I felt like, oh, he doesn't support me like he should. And, and then I had this big epiphany maybe 10 years later where, and now I think this is true for every person who's listening right now. Most often when we have a family member or a friend who, or, or a sibling who doesn't, we feel like they don't support our dreams. It's actually not that they're not supporting our dreams. It's just that they're loving us the best way they know how with their own limited capacity. And when I realized that, it changed my life because every time my dad didn't know who my friend was or didn't show, whatever, I was like, oh, but let me think about his whole life. He's actually usually only able to think about himself and his own immediate circle of friends at work and what's for dinner and what happened on the news but really nothing else. And it's not that he doesn't love me. It's not that he doesn't support me or my dreams. It's that he does it the best way he possibly can with his own capacity, within his own capacity. Mm -hmm. And I started realizing, oh, it's actually not even personal to me. (laughs) Like he just has a different capacity to love in a different way than I do. And it was healing for me because I no longer had hurt feelings or feelings of resentment or thinking like he didn't support my dreams. It's just, he doesn't know how and he's loving me the best way he knows how. And I'm going to do better in my own life and work harder in my own life to have a bigger capacity to love and to try and love other people the way I need to be loved. But he doesn't think that way. And so I think, you know, even now you guys writing this book, writing Believe It, like it's, scary to share all this real stuff. And not everyone in my family thought it was a great book. The day it hit the New York Times list, some of them were perplexed. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But like, and they're loving and they're Mm -hmm. awesome, but everyone has their own capacities to support us in our own ways. That's why I'm saying curate your own circle too. And so Mm -hmm. now with my birth mom, I'm I'm learning slowly but surely what is the capacity she has to show up in in our relationship. Mm -hmm. And 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 what can I give back? And we're kind of right in the middle of that right now, actually. Oh, oh bless. Wow. Yeah, I can't wait to to keep up with that too. And um, just a last thing on that. I do feel like, you know, growing up, I think 
uh, love was seen as safety. It's like, keep something safe. Like it was almost contraction. Mm -hmm. It was like being safe was a part of the way you loved people. It's like, you don't let them do this. You don't let them do this. You restrict them from this. And now Mm -hmm. just coming to a place where I'm like, oh, love is freedom. You know, love is like this freedom because safety is an Mm -hmm. illusion. Like us having control is sort of an illusion. And when you have that faith with God, you're like, oh, wow really, you've got it all Mm -hmm. taken care of. All I need to do is like allow and expand. Um, But this was just such a beautiful interview. And I'm just so grateful that we could have you on. The book is incredible. You know, Lindsay and I have been reading it. And I think there's so much, so many different parts that hit on topics that the women in our community really, really care about. And your authenticity and your rawness is like unparalleled. So I really appreciate you coming on. The book is Believe It and you guys can get it anywhere. It's incredible. So good. So proud. You should be so, so proud. Thank you. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. I so so now being on the other side of your show, not just as a listener, but being the (laughs) now I literally in a whole other level understand why your show is so huge. I've now had um, a lot of awesome interviews right now from the book launching and never Mm. gone this deep, y'all. Never talked about all these things. Um, So so thank you. What a blessing. What a gift for me. I hope that was of service and inspiration to your community too. Cause I think when we all come together, it's like, that's how we really all, you know, all, all rise higher together. So thank you so much for having me on. It's such an honor. Oh, that means a lot. Hopefully one, one of many would love to meet in person soon and just being in awe of what you do. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much. This has been a joy. Thanks, Jamie. Thank Thank you. you. Appreciate you. Have a wonderful day. Have a good one. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much, Jamie. The book is Believe It. It is incredible. I underlined so many parts of it. It was really enjoyable to read. We appreciate you coming on the show and can't wait for the next one. Yeah, you can get the book at believeit.com. All proceeds go to charity, which is incredible. And we just want to thank our sponsors for this episode. As always, we appreciate you trying out these brands that we love and use ourselves. It helps us to do what we do and create free content for you all. So thank you. Today's sponsors are Jenny Kane, Aloha, Monday.com, Dipsy, and Imperfect Foods. All discount information is in our show notes as well as on almost30.com. Just scroll down and click on partners. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Subscribe. Make sure our Tuesday and Thursday episodes are in your inbox and share these episodes with a friend if it feels like someone in your life could use the message or the topic that we talk about. We'll see you on the next one. See you soon. We love you.